We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Listen up, Roto Grinders. It's the ownership report here for week three in the NFL DFS on RotoGrinders.com. My name is Chris Gimino. I will be hosting the show and projecting the ownership throughout the NFL season for Roto Grinders. Joining me to go over the week three numbers is Dan Gasper, Mr. Tuttle 05. Dan, what's going on, man? Have you ever seen a week quite like this? No. Um, very interesting week. Um, it, I guess it's some somewhat similar um, to last week in the sense that there are a lot of high scoring games, which I, you know, I thought last week would be kind of unique in that sense. But like this this week has so many high scoring games too, and I'm getting flashbacks though to week one with it because week one, when all is said and done, it says, "Hey, why did why did you just not stack the Kansas City Chiefs?" And I'm kind of getting similar vibes. It's like there's going to be so much ownership on all these other games. It's like, Hey, why didn't you just stack the chiefs? Yeah. I think one of the things that stands out for me is the fact that it's so flat. The pricing on DraftKings is so superb yet again, that we're going to see flat ownership at a level that I haven't really ever projected. And I've been doing this for, for quite a while. Todd, I've been doing this so long that I used to, I used to look at fantasy aces on Thursday to see which guys <laughs> locked in the full slate of games, you know, oh, I remember to figure those out days, yeah. who was going to be owned. So this is definitely a unique uh, setup, and, and it's all because the you know I think the guys at DraftKings are just doing a great job of setting it all up. FanDuel, quite frankly, is pretty tight too. So I don't I don't see this week as you know sometimes on even on thirteen game slates you can project guys over twenty percent 
uh, sometimes up into the 30% range, depending on how good of a play they are. And I just don't think we're seeing too many guys that fit that description this week, especially when you factor in full roster context uh, and yep. stacking and all those types, sorts of things. So let's start by talking about DraftKings at the quarterback position, where I have Lamar Jackson as the highest projected quarterback at the moment. Now, it's one of those weeks where I'm not exactly sure whether this situation where he should be the highest play will actually yield him being the highest owned guy just because of the way that people like to play tournaments with stacks. Uh, people do like the environment in the Los Angeles Tampa Bay game. People do like what Kyler Murray's been doing this season. And then you've, if you're playing the price game, you know, I really didn't know how aggressive to get with somebody like Justin Fields, who's just 5.2 on DraftKings. And then, and then, you know, again, I, this, the list goes on. Let's talk about Lamar specifically. How do you think his ownership is going to shake out here? Do you think that, you know, the fact that he is pretty clearly the best play on the slate from most people's perspective is going to yield him being the highest owned? It's a lot harder on DraftKings, um, which is kind of where we're focusing this discussion right now because Lamar Jackson easily is going to be chalk on FanDuel. Um, completely different story there with some of the line of construction tidbits. Um, and Saquon Barkley being way too cheap kind of frees up cap elsewhere. Um, DraftKings, though, I think it's accurate to project him as the highest owned. I would not be surprised if he is not the highest owned. Um, and like you said, it, and, and which is what we currently have projected, it's going to be very flat. Um, I mean, we have what top five top six guys all above seven percent and seven to that ten percent range nobody's screaming is extreme chalk and i think that's the accurate way to project is we don't want like none of these guys are going to come in at, at extreme ownership which then it's like hey it's the qb position play the kind of play the stacks you want type of thing yeah so looking at his ownership at if it's ten percent right let's just say you know it's going to be ten percent this is a situation where they're playing the lions indoors and the Lions are not very good on defense. Lamar really doesn't have too many other offensive weapons to rely on. So he's certainly going to rely on his own arms and legs uh, a great deal to try to carry this team to victory here. Meanwhile, their defense is struggling with injuries and illnesses. So there's going to be a situation here where I do think there's going to be some points on the board in this game. And I think yep. taking an overweight position on Lamar probably merits a lot of at least consideration here on this slate. Uh, for a guy who is projecting as the best play, not getting all that much ownership. Now, a guy like Stafford is one of the guys I think could overtake him in ownership if you start to see people gravitating towards this game. You've got a popular receiver pairing here. Everyone loves Cooper Cup these days, and rightfully so. But what's the deal with Stafford? How are you going to treat him in ownership in terms of your personal exposure here this week? Is he a guy, is he a guy you're going to be leaning on, let's say, in like a three-max tournament, just given how he'll be towards the top of the list in ownership? Yes, I am fine playing him, but it's also because I'm fine trying to get unique with the rest of my lineup. Like I love Tyler Higby this week. Higby's going to be owned, but he's not going to be Cooper Cup or Robert Woods owned. Um, I love Tyler Higby this week. So even just like double stacking with Higby over Cup, Higby and Woods over Cup or something like that. Um, but I think what you said is is exactly why his ownership will be driven up um, to potentially the highest on the slate. People will have Cup. People who have Woods on FanDuel is extremely cheap. He's, he's cheap on DraftKings too. Um, and it will kind of drive people into playing Stafford. Um, you brought it up a really good point, just running back to, to Lamar Jackson real quick. This could, like Detroit's been 
kind of sneaky. Like at least they're giving teams a run for their money. You mentioned it. This Baltimore defense is um, withered. <laughs> um, haven't looked all that great in the first couple of games. And now they're missing a bunch of guys. Like this could be a kind of crazy, like an unexpected shootout. And Jackson's target tree, if you are stacking, is narrow. And you also have to remember, though, Marquise Brown's hobbled up. I think he's still technically listed as questionable. I assume he's going to play. But, like, you can get a Sammy Watkins, Lamar Jackson stack, which I hate touting Sammy Watkins, but you can get that for pretty low on. Same same goes for Mark Andrews. And the thing is with like Mark Andrews, though, the story has always been he just he hasn't been on the field a lot. He's been on the field a lot, but he's not producing this year. So um, just to go back to the Lamar Jackson thing. I, I like that a lot. Yeah, and you look at the defenses here for the Rams and the Buccaneers. Uh, you know this game's going to command ownership. If you're going to look at one of those two spots, is it the Ravens-Lions that's going to have better defensive play potential, or is it going to be the Rams? And yeah. the these, these are two of the higher-rated teams in my power rankings right now defensively. So it's, it's certainly going to be a situation where uh, we're going to expect points here, no doubt. That's how it's going to project. But you look at the tournament range of outcomes, and I certainly see plenty of ways for that game to go a little sour uh, especially given the amount of ownership that's involved. Now, Kyler Murray against Jacksonville. Uh, when you look, if you just looked at the slate to start the week and said, okay, who's done well this year and who's got a great matchup, uh, let's give the ownership to those guys. Uh, Kyler Murray is certainly in the top two or three this week there. Uh, problem is he's really expensive here. So at 8.3, do you expect him to get more ownership than this 8% that we've currently got on the board? I do not. Um you mentioned he's expensive. Uh, he's expensive to pair, although Hopkins cropped up on the injury list too. Um, so perhaps if Hopkins die or not dies, if, if Hopkins is unable to suit up, well, I guess if he dies too, um, but if he's yeah, unable if to he go, dies, you cannot play him. <laughs> yeah, you cannot play him. But if he's inactive um, Sunday, that would, in my opinion, I guess drive Murray's ownership up a little bit, right? Cause then he becomes easier to stack with Rondell Moore, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, and it becomes a much cheaper stack that's easily attainable. Um, so that is worth something to keep an eye on. But yeah, I mean, where we have him projected now, I, I agree with it. If you like advice, like don't play this guy. <laughs> if he dies. If he's dead, please <laughs> like and subscribe to this podcast here on Rotor Grinders on YouTube, or uh, just, you know, get, get over to the podcast feed. And that's where you can get more great, uh, uh, you know, don't play dead guys takes on the RG podcast feed. It actually is full of great information, guys. So please do give us uh, give us a little bit of help here. Go subscribe to those things. And once again, enjoy some great contact that we're, content we're putting out for free on those channels. Now, let's talk about Justin Fields. He is going to be an interesting case study here at 5.2 against Cleveland. Tougher matchup, but a rushing quarterback. We do like those guys in DFS. Uh, we do like cheap price tags on a slate that's priced tight. Uh, we do find some stacking partners that are interesting here with Justin Fields. Uh, the passing yards prop, not very high on him. So we're, if we're getting it done, we're, you know, we're at least in the projections, we're expecting him to get it done with the legs. How are you treating Fields here? Uh, I think this is a, a spot to, you know, if you're playing a lot of lineups, you certainly want to get involved here. If you're playing just a couple of lineups, I think that's a bigger question. How do you treat Justin Fields? Let's say in the three max contest, is he going to make at least the player pool of consideration? Of consideration, yes. Uh, I think he's by far the most interesting guy from a projected ownership perspective on this slater, at least quarterback, because it's like all the projections I've seen rightfully don't really like him, right? Like the, the offense is still not going to be that great. Even from a point per dollar perspective, I was 
assuming he would pop more, but like somebody like Daniel Jones is actually showing up as a better point per dollar play in, in a lot of places. Um, so from the, like, we have our little DFS circle, right? So we see this information and it's like, we see that that should drive his ownership down. You would assume, but is the general public going to come in here and see, Hey, 5,200 Justin Fields first start guy can run. Doesn't even necessarily have to throw the ball can get it done with his feet. Um, and that should drive his ownership back up a little bit. If you're just going by like the whole projections, like I would ax him. If, if you trust projections, I would kind of ax him out of my pool, assuming that he will see, you know, top five ownership on this slate. Yeah, I think the problem with putting the X button on him is, uh, could you see 100 yards rushing for this particular player? I think the answer is definitely a yes on that. That's uh, not likely, but it's certainly something he has in the range. And could you see two rushing touchdowns, uh, once again, in the range? So I think this is a situation where you look at the ownership not being that high, and he's definitely somebody that I would want to be getting more involved with in these big millionaire maker type tournaments. Uh, I, I, again, there are lots of great options on this slate, but he's certainly somebody uh, who, if you, if you don't get on him now and he ends up having the big game, I don't think we're ever going to see 5.2 again for Justin Fields. Okay, let's talk about Josh Allen hey, and Patrick quick, Mahomes. Quick question for you on that, though. If you're playing Fields, are you assuming the majority of people are, that are playing him are stacking him? And do you then have a stance on, I do not want to stack him? I think if you're playing large field tournaments, like we just talked about, we should be assuming that there's at least one stacking partner there most of the time. I think it's it's easier to, con to consider this you know, solo Justin Fields experience, if you're talking about a guy like Lamar Jackson, who in the past has had more limited stacking options and who is usually priced expensively because of their rushing ability, yeah. we're getting the rushing ability cheap here. And I think the stacking partners are also fairly cheap here. Allen Robinson, not prohibitive. And someone like a Darnell Mooney, also fairly cheap. cheap. So I, yeah, I do think you're going to see stacking there with, with Justin Fields, at least somewhere on par with how often the field stacks. Okay, let's, let's talk real quick about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, all right in a row there. Stud players, not going to see high ownership here. Uh, any comments as far as who do you like the best here? Because, I, again, I think it, it would be beating a dead horse to try to convince anyone that these are all – that these are one plays particularly better than another, right? They're all in a similar ownership category, and they've all got elite four passing touchdown upside. In the case of a Josh Allen, you've also got the rushing upside as well. So tell me, which one of these guys do you like the best for tournaments? I think it's Herbert price taken into consideration too. Um, like I'm hoping people look at the first couple of weeks. Uh, it's just been negative touchdown variance for him. Basically. Like if he starts throwing touchdowns, um, he's too cheap for what he is. It's good, good spot. Um, pretty good matchup. Assume they'll, they'll have to throw the ball. Uh, so I like Herbert a lot, but then the other thing is like Allen here, kind of similar story, right? Has not been playing well the first two weeks. I apparently extremely overrated Washington football team's defense heading into the season because they have not been, they haven't been good. Um, they just let the giants throw up what, whatever, close to 30 points on them on Thursday night. Um, so like, I, I think from that perspective, people are probably overrating the difficulty of the matchup for Allen. Um, and that's a really good buy low spot for him for sure. Yeah. I think Allen is definitely going to be on the list. This is this game in general if I'm looking to just get an extremely low owned situation compared to the upside, I think, you know, your double stack with Josh Allen and a bring back 
on the uh, Washington side is, is certainly going to be high on the list for me as far as you know, it's at least going to be in the player pool here as I go to make my teams coming into Sunday. I think it goes without saying you play Patrick Mahomes when he's 7% owned, but uh, I really do think that this is a situation where there's another player on the Chiefs that I'm, I'm sort of intrigued by that we're going to have a discussion on very, very quickly that uh, I'm more interested in than Patrick, even though I think that, again, you can play him every time he plays for the rest of his career pretty much. Okay, let's talk about uh, Daniel Jones and then we'll get out, get out of here. Do you like him this week? Because I have heard lots of people very interested in what he's been doing on the ground, very interested in this matchup against Atlanta. And certainly the fantasy production has been there so far to start the season. This, this, this is one where I have not made up my mind, but I'm certainly not enthusiastic to, to say the least about Daniel Jones with all these other options on the slate. How are you treating him? So here's the thing. If you don't like him this week, it's probably based off of your priors on him, right? Like it's, it's not sure. because of how he's been used this season. And that's kind of the mental leap I have to, or mental hurdle I have to take. And I don't know if I can take that hurdle just like you, like, We've seen so much sample of him just be a very meh quarterback, but the reality is they are using him as a runner more, which is excellent. Um, I would say <clears throat> like he's going to have ownership on DraftKings. Um, I would say he's the more interesting play to me on FanDuel. If you're into that sort of thing, like not saying he's a great play, but at least you're getting leverage off of Barkley there, right? Like Barkley is going to be one of the highest owned players on FanDuel. So at least if you're playing Daniel Jones, like on FanDuel, you're getting some leverage off of him. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think that that's probably, uh, if I was going to get exposure to Daniel Jones, I'd want to do it where there was both a combination of that leverage. And I think the ownership might be a little bit less there where you don't quite need the salary relief to make a, a robust lineup as much on FanDuel, even though it's still pretty tight over there. It's still a little bit tighter on DraftKings. Okay, Tuttle. If you are looking to get some action against some RG personalities this week, please go over and sign up for the DFS OGs League. You're playing on FanDuel especially, because that's where we're going to do this. You want to sign up for the league, uh, get in there and compete against Beer Makers fan, Head Chopper, Noto, and kick their asses. All right, let's get into uh, – by the way, you can find that link on the Roto-Grinders homepage. Let's talk about running back here. I knew who the hell to project at the top of running back, Todd, I'll be honest with you. It stinks this week. Derrick Henry is a guy that we were talking about last week on the low owned pick segment. Went ahead and put up 48 or something ridiculous like that. Definitely came through, helped get a little bit of profit over yonder. Now let's talk about the, the slate as a whole from running backs. You know, we don't really have any studs aside from Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook is questionable. We have someone like Alvin Kamara with a questionable situation there in New Orleans. So that's almost for sure going to leave Henry as the preferred expensive option on DraftKings, a full PPR site, what are we doing here? The projection is certainly up because there's more targets this year than we've seen in the past. But at the end of the day, it's still Derrick Henry as chalk. And I think we would probably prefer to play him a little bit lower owned, right? 100%. Um, Henry is the guy that you, you play when he's low owned. You don't play when he's expensive because there are multiple paths to failure there with Henry or even like a you know, at this price tag, a 20, 25-point game is not getting it done necessarily or, or isn't going to be in optimal lineups. Um, so he's an extremely scary fade. But here's the thing, like his um, 
we'll get to it a little bit later, but one of the guys I have written down is Julio Jones is the under owned guys at the wide receiver position, like Julio Jones, AJ Brown, this is still a pretty good passing matchup for them. And his teammates are going to be so low owned. Um, so I, I definitely prefer. And again, this is large field tournaments. We're talking about, I, I definitely prefer not playing Henry and playing the pass catchers for Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to talk about Brown and, or at least maybe at least Brown, especially on FanDuel, uh, you know, maybe you're not even looking at a large field tournament for a guy like for a guy like that. You know, I mean, the upside is clearly there, yeah. uh, and he'll be fairly contrary. And I'm not saying he'll be low owned on FanDuel, but uh, certainly on DraftKings, he won't be extremely popular. And there, you know, th- there's a pivot away from a Derrick Henry if you're trying to avoid the chalk. Of course, he could do something close to what he did last week in this particular matchup. The, the matchup is not prohibitive for Henry, so by all means, go ahead and play him if you like him. Uh, we're just talking about a game theory perspective here. There's not too many guys who even approach don't play him because he's too high owned on the slate. Henry might get yeah. there in some smaller tournaments. Okay, let's talk about Saquon Barkley. You mentioned him on Fanduel, just through the roof ownership wise. There, uh, he's priced underpriced at six thousand. Just go ahead and get him into your optimal builds over there. Now on DraftKings at six point five, I think there's some pivots that you need to strongly consider before you just automatically plug Barkley in there. I think you can still use him in your most optimal build, but how are we treating him in tournaments? Uh, this is a situation where uh, you know, it's not too high owned for me to be scared by the ownership, but at the end of the day, this is a weak slate and I do want to try to find some of the lowest owned options possible in these tournaments to get away from these super chalky guys. Yeah, so I'm actually very eager to see what his ownership is on, on DraftKings specifically. I, I think easily he's going to be chalk on FanDuel. Um, but I've, I've taken a look at some projection systems that are included, and I personally think he's probably being underprojected. Um, we saw him on a short week. They ramped him up to 84% of the team snaps, 15 of 20 backfield touches for the Giants. Now has a longer week to, to regress and recover. Good matchup for him. Um, I think some some systems out there are projecting him more similarly to, to week one where he saw less and, or fewer touches. Like, you can't project him this way, but I, I would not be surprised if he turns in like a bell cow 20-plus touch performance this week. And that's something I'm extremely interested in, um, no matter the ownership, basically. Uh, and he reminds me a lot of a guy that's projected similarly in terms of ownership in Joe Mixon. Kind of similar story that I think he's somebody that I don't know if people are just dismissing him because of the matchup or what, like a per- tough perceived matchup. Um, but Mixon's the other guy. Like if you're just looking at guys that could handle 80 plus percent of their teams, running back carries and or targets, touches, whatever you want to say, like Barkley and Mixon are guys I love for their price points on DraftKings. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, and, and Mixon's one of the guys I was talking about there in his same price range that you definitely have to consider. Uh, as pivots from Saquon Barkley. I think also Chris Carson uh, needs to be in the conversation there at 6.4. These are all guys that I'm expecting to be mid-teens owned and no one's going to run away with it. So if you want to take a position heavily on one of these guys, I think that, you know, being right about that can provide you some leverage in in tournaments. Now, let's talk really quickly about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. This is a player at 4.8 on DraftKings, whom I am concerned at 15% owned, is too low because that is factoring in what I would consider to be some bias that has come out against him because of the way that he's played so far this year. And the fact that he really hasn't ever stood out as a fantasy option uh, beyond, you know, the hype 
that came into last year as far as what we thought he would be in this Kansas City offense. Um, let's start with the, the biggest question here as far as popularity is concerned. Uh, do you think he's going to escape this 15% range and get up into the 20s? Because if anyone's going to do it, I think it would be him. No, I do not think he will. Um, this is, again, I talked about it a little bit in the quarterback position. This is another one of those spots where it's like, how much can you factor in projections, DFS inner circle versus general public? Like, I don't think the public's going to want to play this guy, even at 4,800. I think, I think you rightfully factored in bias against him. Like the most recent thing that we saw was a poor game. And then he fumbled to lose the game for, for the chiefs on primetime TV. Um, I don't think it's correct, but I think some of the assumption is he's going to start losing work to Darrell Williams. Um, and again, I don't necessarily think that's, you know, bound to happen. Um, so no, I, I, I do not think he'll get into that 20% range. Um, and honestly, if you're just, if you're just a uh, slave to the projections, like this is a guy you should be jamming in then, right? Like a on a team that has a team total of north of 30 points, um, handling what 70% plus of the workload so far for their backfield. Um, like this would be a dream spot typically. Um, but no, I don't think he's going to be at extreme chalk. I'm definitely, I'm considering the lock button. Let me tell you what, what's going on here with, with this thought. Uh, not financial advice, please. I'm a humble jabroni here, but this is what I think. So, I mean, this is a guy last year who had a high ankle sprain towards the end of the year, uh, barely made it back for the Super Bowl. Uh, never really saw the potential in the offense that we were expecting or hoping for last year. Okay, so now we get into this year, a little dinged up towards the end of the preseason, not going to use that as an excuse for the first two games. However, he did face two tougher NFC North division opponents uh, who, you know, clearly can put a little bit of a damper on what someone's trying to do. And in addition to that, he plays on a team that at any given moment can filter touches and targets to two of the best players in fantasy football. And, and we've seen it, that consolidation happen time and time again. Should be no surprise that that is possible. Now I've heard things like, okay, well, he didn't get the goal line touches so far. Well, there's been exactly two inside the five carries for the Chiefs so far this season. First one went to Mahomes. It was actually on the five-yard line, and it was a play-action pass to, guess who was in the game, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Now, also, the one-yard touchdown was a two-minute drill last week where uh, CH was in for most of the drive towards at the very end of the drive after uh, – actually, Jarek McKinnon checked in for him after a, after a CH run – that's when Williams came in the game for the two-yard touchdown. That is a little bit of a concern, right? We would like to see our running back have the goal line work. But you, you look at what the coaches are saying about they're, – they're not that concerned about this fumble. That was the other thing that people are going to give out. You know, they're going to give out the – is he going to lose work because of the fumble narrative? CH has 27 carries this year. Uh, Daryl Williams, how many do you think he has? Uh, I'm pretty sure the number's four. So, like, majority of the rushing workload in week one – he had all of the targets, or at least he had, he had three targets in, in week number one. Uh, last week, neither Williams nor CH had any targets. So all this concern about what, what his role in the, in the offense is fabricated to me. So if you can project him, I think, what, what do we have him projected for, Toto? We have 60%, I think, of, of rushing, which is lower than what he's gotten so far this year. We have 9% of targets, which is fair for him, and he projects as a smash. And he's going to be 15% owned? Okay, yep, sign me up. Give me as much CH as I can get. 
Uh, that's some, that's the way I see it. I don't know if you hate this take or not. That's how I'm going to roll with it. All right. No, I, I mean, honestly, that's what you should do. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to, if I'll do it myself, but that's 100% what you should do, yes. Eckler is 7.2. Now, Eckler is the guy we want uh, CH to be, and he's actually going to be in the game where if we expect Kansas City to put up some offense, I just love Eckler too. Talk about him. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do here. Like, I, I just want to like gush. I mean, th- these might be my two favorite backs on the week. See, this is my problem with lock buttoning CEH. I love Eckler and I love the two guys I mentioned before with Barkley and Mixon, just because I think the workloads um, are so good. Uh, but yeah, Eckler, uh, we saw what, Oh, he's not going to get passing down work after week one. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Got a lot of passing work in week two. Um, like this is how you attack the opposing the, the chiefs though too, right? They let you run on them. You that's kind of the blueprint is, is you hand the ball off. Um, so we got a guy that's going to get passing work if they fall too far behind and he's going to get the rushing work. If they start, you know, are playing with a little bit of a lead. I love Eckler too. Um, I was kind of hoping his price was, was a tad bit cheaper. Um, cause Keenan Allen is super cheap for, in my opinion on DraftKings for what he is too. He's only 6,600. Um, but I will also say if you're stacking this game, like Eckler, CEH, Michael Hardman, Keenan Allen, that's a pretty cost-effective stack to one of the highest scoring games on the slate. Uh, for sure. And again, can't get enough uh, of these pass catching uh, guys, you know, well, I guess it remains to be seen if CEH is a pass catching guy, but um the game, the game environment is there. A lot, lots of boxes checked here for these two backs, and, and I'm interested quite a bit to make some tournament lineups that include them. Okay, so let's run through just a couple of the top uh, 10% plus guys. First, starting with Kamar. Do you think he's actually going to even get to 10%? Because that was a that was a concern of mine. Is that 10% is too high? He's 8200. There's not really that many other options on the slate. So at the end of the day, it, it ended up that he got to the 10% mark just barely. Where would you have him? Do you think that people are just really just not going to play him at all? Yeah, I would take under. Wow. But I don't know. So, <laughs> it's like, I have people, but at that, at that case, like if he's under 10%, you should probably play this guy then, right? God, I think so. I mean, everyone's going to say, well, Belichick's going to take away their best the weapon, blah, blah, right, blah. Right, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, which is true. I mean, name, name their second best weapon. <laughs> <laughs> people thought it was Marcus Calloway. I can tell you his. It seriously might be Juwan Johnson or something. Like, I mean, you know, yeah. like there's no, I mean, I'm, I'm half kidding, but at the same time, am I? Like, they don't have anybody else here. So it is definitely very troubling for, to even project Kamara where we haven't projected is a bit of a risk because the Patriots are pretty good on defense. Uh, they're certainly going to focus on him as far as the way that they designed their scheme. But it, it's counterintuitive to say that they're going to focus on him when really they are more of a bend but, but don't break style. They like to make sure that you can't get the big play and they're just going to make sure at the end of the day you're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns or stalling drives. Uh, Kamara is usually in a, you know, a good spot against a defense like that, right? The check down. Yeah. This is all football guy nonsense garbage. He's going to be under 10%, so you can consider him in tournaments, but the matchup presents some risk. I think that's pretty well said there, Tuttle. Let's talk one more time about DeAndre Swift, Mike Davis, and someone like Najee Harris. These are the last couple of guys that we haven't mentioned here that are above the 10% range. Is there anyone here that stands out to you as a particularly good play? I think Davis 
at 12% is a risk of being a little bit less owned than this, but just in terms of value in the, in the DFS bubble, so to speak, he looks like he should actually be higher. What do you think about Davis? Probably won't play him. Um, yeah. I think that's why he's, he's another guy instead of higher. Yes. Well, he's tough, right? Because he's one of the guys that if you're just using a projection system, you sort by point per dollar, he's going to pop uh, just because of the price tag, which in of, a, in of itself will then drive the ownership up. I think one thing working against him is people really like CPAT and think Cordarrelle Patterson's like a thing. I think they think his usage is sustainable. I do. I personally do not. Um, he'll, still, he'll still get, you know, receptions on a weekly basis, but low usage players that need touchdowns to, to meet value aren't exactly my, my go-to guys. Um, so people's love for Patterson might drive Mike Davis down a little bit. Um, I do have concerns about the offense in general. Um, obviously it's not like a, a terrible matchup by any stretch, but I, I just don't love the, where the Falcons offense or what the Falcons offense looks like through two games, even though they were able to get it together a little bit last week. Um, Swift of the guys you mentioned is the guy that pops to me is is having the the highest upside I think by a significant margin of the guys you mentioned like he's um, the problem is he's got Dan Campbell in his way so and he might not get out of his way Um, but Swift is yeah I I mentioned already like this Baltimore defense is is, uh, withered uh, down a lot of bodies this could turn into a shootout and in that case I think you would want DeAndre Swift on your lineup yeah yeah so like Fanduel, you're not going to see much ownership at all on him. A lot, a lot more people on Barkley over there. A lot more ownership getting siphoned off to the top. So I do think that you can get him at a relatively low ownership percentage on that particular site. All right, let's let's get into the wide receiver position. Hold up, there hold up. is. Can I ask you something real quick? Please. Because what I'm interested in is the Dalvin Cook situation and how it could potentially affect ownership. Yeah, so here's the deal. This is a late game, right? Yes. So the ownership's already depressed in my projections because of that already. Yeah. Like, I, I just think there's there's going to be a, a certain number of people that are not going to click this particular play because of the questionable tag and because of the late lock time. Beyond that, I I do have a feeling that he's going to play. So I don't, I don't think we're going to be looking at Alexander Madison as a potential option here in this particular spot. However, if you do want to make an accommodation for that and make sure that you have a flex position that is open for this 425 start time that could afford uh, at least Alexander Madison's salary. Or you could actually just even make sure this 2v2, get Dalvin Cook in there, find your favorite alternative to go with that 2v2 and get in there. You're certainly not going to see Madison anywhere near what he would be if this was announced already. There was three DMPs, which is usually a sign that a guy is not going to play. I think a guy like Cook is an exception. Uh, I actually, I think I saw him once uh, say, say they said he wasn't going to play a preseason game once because he, he was a little bit dinged up. He gets in there in the first play and runs for like 90 yards for a touchdown or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> so like th- this is, I mean, I'm mentioning it as precedent though, right? Like there is a situation where we've seen them say, no, he's not going to play or he's highly questioned. Well, he did three DMPs and he gets out there and he's completely fine. So I, if he does play, I wouldn't worry about it. I would say treat him like he's good to go. If he is in fact out, this is a situation where you want to have some some 2v2s planned for that flex spot on DraftKings and FanDuel uh, so that you can take advantage of this ultra low owned Alexander Madison comparative to what the value will be. 
Do you agree with this? Yeah. Well, I think it's one of the more intriguing spots for me than I can remember from uh, playing DFS because, I mean, I might have missed it, but I'm not seeing a ton of talk about it. Like people know that, hey, Madison's the guy to play if, if Cook's out, but I haven't seen a lot that would be like, hey, there's a really good chance or at least a fairly good chance Cook doesn't play. Like he has not practiced this week, non-participant. I mean, Alexander Madison's 5,200 on FanDuel. That's like the value play of the year if, if Dalvin Cook's out. Um, DraftKings priced him, priced him up a little better at 6K, um, but still you're probably looking like they don't have another uh, active back or back on the active roster right now. They'll have to call Amir Abdullah up off the practice squad and it's not like Amir Abdullah is going to come siphon away touches from Madison. So again, we're looking at a guy that's going to handle 80% of the backfield touches um, on a high, on a team that's projected to score a decent amount of points. Um, so, yeah, I, I think more people should be looking into playing Madison, or at least like you said, having those swaps ready to get him into your lineups. There's definitely some people out there who played Alexander Madison on Alexander Madison chocolate week last week, who are just getting the flashbacks oh, right now. They're getting the, the PTSD. Uh, right. He did bust in a situation like this last year, but I would not let that deter you if the situation comes to fruition again. Okay, so Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, two most popular wide receivers on DraftKings. I think it'll be something very close to that on FanDuel 2, Tuttle. If you are going to prop up on Thrive Fantasy, how would you feel about someone like a Chris Godwin's prop? Uh, this is a situation where we were looking at these props on Thrive before the show, Tuttle. And he really kind of stands out as a guy whose prop was actually pretty high and we still like the over. Yeah. So I asked you, cause you have all the projections in front of you. I'm like, Hey, this Godwin one seems a little high, but like he's, he's going to, he's going to smash this week. They currently have him listed at 71 and a half yards for his receiving prop. You informed me that we have him around 80 yards reception. For yeah, we're yards. certainly on the over there. Yep. So love the over here. Um, Antonio Brown expected out. We should see a more narrow target tree. Like, don't steal all these targets, Gronk. Don't do it to me. Just just don't. Three weeks in a row, you can't do it. Godwin and Evans should see the majority of these targets. Uh, if you're into the whole cornerback matchup thing, the speculation is Jalen Ramsey will spend more time on Mike Evans than anybody else, which, again, like, just that, that's good news for Godwin. Um, could see a lot of targets, should see a lot of yards as well. Um, but So, yeah, I, I love the over for on Thrive Fantasy. I can hear some people out there. What the hell is Thrive Fantasy Tuttle? Tuttle, let's tell the people. It's a daily fantasy and esports app for player props. Uh, with Thrive, you can eliminate the countless, and trust me, when it comes to me, it's countless hours of research and focus on, on other guys. And you can only focus on the top tier guys there. They're just basically just giving you the props for, for the studs. You, you can choose 10 out of their 20 available player props to build your lineup over there. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for the over and the under. And, you know, given odds for how likely it is to hit, hit the most props and rack up the most points to win your share of the prize pool. Use promo code GRINDERS when you go sign up there and you'll receive 100% instant first deposit match up to $250 plus a free entry into their featured 50K NFL contest. Go to Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or the Google Play Store, get the app, go to the website, thrivefantasy.com, sign up and prop up today. Speaking of prop up, Guys like Cooper Cups and Robert Woods are going to have props that are going to be heavily bet towards the over this week because they were liking what the Tampa Bay defense does to funnel the passing game. They say, do not run the ball. Please throw 40, 50 times a game against us. 
I don't see how you look at the consolidation here for Woods and Cup and get dissuaded. I mean, the projections I currently have are 35% total. Is that even enough? I mean, should this be higher? I mean, we know the target volume is going to be there, right? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the issue with, with guys like this that are projected to be high owned, but they like, they're just really good plays. Um, and it's trying to figure out how to handle these guys, which is the toughest thing for me on a weekly basis, because Cooper Cup's going to be the highest owned guy on the slate, but man, he's a really good play. And you look at try, trying to think of ways around that. Like I said earlier, you can, you can stack Stafford with Woods and, and, um, uh, Higby, but it's like, if you look at matchups and the matchup perspective from this, like the, the Bucks have been funneling slot targets or interior targets, which again, makes me like Higby a lot, but it also makes me like cook like cup. But the other thing is too, like McVeigh is smart enough to get the guy he wants the ball to go to open. So I'm also not all that worried about individual matchups when it comes to Cooper cup. Um, I'm going to have a lot of them. I'll have plenty. I'm, I'm, FanDuel is a little bit different of a question. You don't get the full PPR. Um, the 7,900 there, like they, it's more of a thought on FanDuel. On DraftKings, 6,800, he's very difficult to pass up. Yeah, I, I'm, I earlier in the show, I said, you know, maybe, hey, you know, that game certainly is one that you could consider taking a little bit of an underweight stance on just because of the potential odds for the defenses to outperform what people expect. But it's difficult on a full PPR site to look at these two guys and start to get dissuaded with, with their particular upside here. The prices aren't very high. The target projections are huge uh, comparative to the rest of the slate. And the, look at the value just uh, on a point per dollar is, is just, I think, you know, huge for a guy like Cup and even for a guy like Woods. A guy that seems like a complete fade, easiest fade in my lifetime is KJ Osborne. Is he really going to be 15% on title? I do not think so. And I think – what's <laughs> I, I think it's – I think it's because we don't have Christian McCaffrey that we're trying to jam in on the slate. We do, we have Derrick Henry, obviously, but I think in general, you're just looking at more balanced builds here. We talked about Lamar Jackson's ownership on DraftKings. I think it will be fairly low because again, people are going to be looking at a six K quarterback. Like people are just sticking in the six K across the board, across their lineups where I don't think Osborne will come in at 15% owned. Um, he, you like, do have to save performance. He probably should be. You do have to save salary someplace, though, right? So where does this salary savings go? Like, is there, especially at the receiver spot, right? Because I'm I'm projecting a ton of wide receiver ownership across the the suite of daily fantasy sites this week. The running back position is fairly weak. I do think that salary savings will, you know, the, you're, we're going to get mid tier options at the running back position mostly, except for a guy like maybe Ceh, and then you're probably going to get salary savings that has to come somewhere at the wide receiver position. So is it Tyler Boyd at 4,700, you know, with no T Higgins in the lineup? Are we going down further to like Marvin Jones? You know, there's not a ton of cheap guys. I mean, are we going to, I mean, I certainly not in like cash, you're not going to play like a Miko Hardman, but in in tournaments, you know, maybe 3.9 for Miko Hardman is someplace that people turn. Like where is the salary savings going to come or is it strictly going to be mid tier across the board again in week number three? That's what I, that's where I slightly disagree with you because I do think it's just going to be, be mid tier across the board. Okay, uh, and, I mean, that, and that's I think fair. salary savings if if salary savings comes, this could be a point to your Clyde edwards solaire ownership potentially hitting that twenty percent mark, because if it, if salary savings comes, I think it would become at running back one running back slot. Um, I mean, you throw Stafford in, you throw Ceh in, you throw Godwin in, you throw Cup in, everybody's basic shell lineup that they're starting with. 
and you're still left with 6,600 per position. Um, and there's just so many good six to seven K receivers on this slate. And then 5,700, if you throw woods in there that um, yeah, I, I think it is just going to be a mid tier build. Only a fish like me would not win all the money last week, touting Derrick Henry and Corton Sutland in the same low owned picks <laughs> segment. I think the ownership is going to escalate this week because of that for a guy like Sutton, but he also falls into that mid great range category against the jets, which is not a prohibitive matchup. Denver massive favorites in this particular spot. So this is another guy who's going to get ownership in the mid tier. Um, Keenan Allen at 6.6 disappointed people last week relative to what we were expecting, you know, just 15 point performance where, you know, his ownership would have suggested he needed a lot more than that for you to be doing well in your GPP contest. But he's a guy that is going to probably approach them, you know, the teens of ownership this week. Tyreek Hill is one of the expensive guys that you need savings in order to get in here. Do you think that he is going to be any more popular than 11%? Because unless you're going to tell me that there's going to be salary savings at one of the other positions, I'm going to be hesitant to project this guy for a ton of ownership, at least on DraftKings. Yeah, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna come in, you know, which which is why I started the show. Hey, another week where we say why didn't we just stack the Chiefs? Um, because you can get a pretty low on Chiefs stack here. Um, that does bring the question or the thing. Hey, larger field tournaments, you're you're like you're not stacking Kelsey and Hill together, right? With Mahomes because you're allocating a ton of salary to that stack. Um, but yeah, Tyreek Hill is gonna be low owned for sure on this slate. At least on DraftKings, I think on FanDuel, where uh, you, there is a little bit more you can do to find a salary saver there, I do think that that's a situation where we'll probably see more Tyree Kill one-offs than we'll see on DraftKings. Uh, just just not not enough great roster constructions on that site to see him escalate into the upper teens, at least in my opinion. All right, anything else you want to mention here with the high-owned guys at wide receiver? Because I could sit here for another 10 minutes and rattle, rattle off the merits of the stud receivers that are going to be less than 15% owned. But I, I think at this juncture, I'll just cap it off by saying, if you like somebody like a DK Metcalf, Stefan Diggs, Tyler Lockett, AJ Brown, go ahead and take a position on those because the ownership's going to be really, really spread here. And I think it's 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 an easy week to get a lot of leverage without, give, you know, without having to go to 40, 50% of your exposure. Yeah, 100% agree with that. And you mentioned most of the guys that I would mention there. I mean, there's so many good high end receiving options on the slate. All right, let's get into the tight end position really quickly. Um, I don't, I don't want to bet beat this to death because we don't really have anybody projected as super chalky at the tight end position, which, you know, do we have a blender drop producer, Steven? Can we get the play whoever you want uh, drop here for, for the tight end position? Because I really don't see where you're going to, give yourself a huge advantage just by strictly fading a guy here. Like, like, I mean, tell me which one of these guys is going to get into 15, 20% own range. And I, I don't see it. I, I, I just see, you know, there's, we got five, six guys, Hawkinson, Kelsey, Higby, Waller, Andrews, Pitts on DraftKings who are all, they have, they have their merits as far as plays are concerned. And without that consolidation, I just don't see how you're going to get guys into the fade range. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I will, my, my one thing is, like, I wish TJ Hawkinson didn't start the season so on fire because then this would be a pretty overlooked spot for him. Um, but, yeah, he, he, he'll be right where you have him in terms of ownership. Um, not much to say about the distribution here. I, I, I think 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be all pretty even. I mentioned Higby. Higby might be the guy for me that I would move. I mean, I'm also selfishly hoping this because I'm going to be playing a lot of him. Um, but he would be the one guy that I would potentially move down in projected ownership. We currently have him at 9.6%, uh, third highest owned. Uh, he's coming off that dud, right? He only had one reception on one target last week. Uh, people will be playing Cooper Cup. People will be playing Robert Woods. I think you'll have the, like, I, oh, I don't want to play too many of the same guys in the one lineup. And the other two will certainly take priority over Higby. Um, and we could even have people play, playing somebody like Sony Michelle if, if uh, Henderson gets ruled out. Um, so Higby would be the one guy that I would probably say is going to be a little bit lower owned, uh, but I'm also selfishly hoping that. Yeah, I mean, certainly the bad game helps him in that regard uh, from last week. But at the end of the day, when you start to run the lineup builders tuttle and you're double stacking this particular spot, guess who's going to slide his way right into your lineups? Going to be Tyler Higby there on the double stack situation. So I wouldn't get your hopes up too high that it's going to get, be too low. But I digress to say that it's def definitely not going to be too high because people want to play Darren Waller. People are going to want to stack Mark Andrews with their Lamar Jackson stacks, to say the least. Uh, I mean, that's certainly one way he's going to get some ownership. And then a guy like Kyle Pitts uh, is, if you're making stacks of the Atlanta, New York situation, who's easier to fit in on this slate? Is it going to be someone like a Calvin Ridley at a higher wide receiver price tag? Or are you going to get your Daniel Jones stack brought back nice and clean with Kyle Pitts at the tight end position? I would suspect that you might see that as often or more than Ridley in your optimizers. So be cognizant of that, but also don't expect high ownership. Uh, lots, lots of spread out here. I think if you wanted to try to make these guys a little bit higher, you'd start to shave off stuff from, you know, I'm getting ownership on Cook and Gronk and Noah Fan and to a lesser degree, guys like Hooper uh, down below. I mean, What's the maximum? What's the ceiling that you would put on a, on the maximum own tight end this week, Tuttle? Like, is it fourteen percent? Like, what is it? Yeah, yeah. Especially on draft, like DraftKings, it's so hard to see any of these other guys pop. FanDuel, you'll see much more concentration between Kelsey and, and Waller, but DK for sure, um, fifteen percent top. Yeah, on other sites, you'll see Kelsey get up into the 15-plus percent range, but not on DraftKings. Last note here on defense. Look, similar situation. We're not going to see Atlanta Falcons ownership on anybody, but I do think there's going to be a couple of spots that are a little bit cheaper on DraftKings where you're going to see the ownership aggregate. On FanDuel, it's a little bit different story. You can afford some more expensive defenses over there, so you'll see the better plays uh, like the Denver Broncos uh, start to pop up on, on FanDuel. I don't think we're going to get the ownership here. Yeah, they're definitely the highest owned defense over there on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, because the pricing is so tight, you're going to see the Cardinals, Titans, Bengals, and Browns, in my estimation, as for the fire, you know, for the higher owned defenses here. Is there anyone else down lower on this list that should be projected for more? Uh, I couldn't make a case for it in my numbers. Nope. And I was um, surprised. I mean, it caught like, I, the talk has been Titans defense, Titans defense. I do wonder if that will come down a little bit now because um, I guess a hobbled win is starting, um, but maybe that's not a weak reason for him to come down. Um, yeah, really. But you, got, you caught the Bengals. I agree. They were the other low priced defense that stood out to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's kind of always the case though on, on DraftKings, like fade some of these cheaper defenses and pay up. It's, because that's not the common line of construction at all. 
if you want to see the full ownership projections for 45 plus slates that I just posted on Roto Grinders, please sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, get access to that information. We're going to be doing it for football. We do it for a lot of other sports. We do it for basketball, certainly every single slate basketball season get in there check out what we're doing over there if you're playing baseball tonight we got baseball projections just please rotorgrinders.com premium check out what we're doing and check out what we're doing here in lineup hq where we are going to get into the low owned picks tunnel this is where it gets exciting this is where we get to ride or die with some of these lower owned options to get into our lineups to differentiate not so hard to differentiate this week with the spread uh you know the spread out uh, pricing on our DraftKings, but to say the least, we still want to look for some guys who might be a little bit under-owned. Who would you pick at the quarterback position if you were looking to try to get a little bit further down the list? Yeah, so I get two guys listed here, same game. Um, Russ Wilson, Kirk Cousins. Uh, Wilson, I mean, is an excellent play. The, the biggest concern here is that the the Seahawks actually push the ball and, and get more aggressive in play calling. Um, but I think this game is is a, a shootout potential, obviously, um cousins is our, a top 10 quarterback fantasy quarterback through the first two weeks uh, he might be forced to throw the ball even more if delvin cook is hobbled or inactive um so I, I like both passing attacks from this game and both are looking like they'll come in pretty low owned i think that's those are both excellent options if i i maybe would have picked one of those two guys if i didn't know you were going there but let's go ahead and take a look at someone a little bit scrubbier if we really want to get down dirty. This is usually your job, Tuttle, but I'm going to go ahead and run back one of the guys you said earlier this year. Trevor Lawrence uh, really hasn't shown us much so far. The Jaguars stink, but if they're going to get pounded here by the Cardinals, which is very likely, at least on the defensive side of the ball, they're just, we should expect offense for the Cardinals. I think there's a good chance that you could make some pretty cost efficient stacks uh, with the Jaguars. Uh, that have a chance to do something. I'm not saying that the yeah. Cardinals defense doesn't have a chance to be a good defense for you, but they're going to be the chalk. You'll get some leverage on that if Lawrence goes off. And you got a situation where there's some cheap pass catching options to go with Lawrence, uh, where there's some theoretical upside if he's the player that we think he is. So uh, let's go ahead and maybe take that into the millionaire maker and try to get something done. Let's talk about the running back position Tuttle. Do you have anybody here that's, that's low owned that you might be finding attractive for this slate? Well, let's uh, why not start this segment by just touting the Jaguars again, right? Well, oh, let's start a little James Robinson. Oh, no. Oh, God. So I, here's I, the I, thing. I'm with you, but I, I just I just can't stand James Robinson. Go ahead. Well, what what he was extreme chalk week one because of what we thought was going to be a, a huge role on this offense. Obviously, the matchup was good. Um, went to be not chalk in week two, rightfully so. Ended up having pretty much the role that we thought he was going to have heading into the season. And now he's going to be low owned again. Um, doesn't necessarily add up. I'm hoping people are slow to the, to the fact that he dominated backfield touches last week. Carlos Hyde dropped from 11 touches in week one to two touches in week two. Robinson is clearly the guy that you want if this game turns into a shootout because he is the pass catching back. Uh, so he has plenty of receiving upside. We have him projected at 3.8% excuse me, ownership on DraftKings. I think he's an excellent play at that ownership. How dare you leverage me with the very next pick? That just dastardly move. Okay, you can look, stack them together. You can pair oh, them together. Forget it. Not me. Okay, let's talk about I, – I get it, Total. I think that that's actually a really – you know, three, 4% owned. Uh, there's certainly some upside there, even though, again, I just have a little bit of a bias issue there with James Robinson. I, I don't really love any of these running backs, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. 
if Jonathan Taylor is going to be 6% owned, I mean, that's a situation where, you know, where's a two touchdown upside guy that could get it done. Uh, certainly Jonathan Taylor is going to be somebody who could give you tournament winning upside without much ownership. Let's get into the wide receiver position. I think there's a lot more to talk about there. Give me somebody juicy title. Get the people excited. How are we winning this thing? Well, I mentioned Julio Jones earlier. Um, yes. Do like him. Do do like AJ Brown. Julio projects at lower ownership. Um, so to go with the segment theme of 5% or less, Julio Jones would be the guy. And I also mentioned this one I hate touting, but I think he's actually a good play this week. And I hate to say it, Sammy Watkins. Um, I really do think he's like, I wish he was a little bit cheaper. I foresee a hundred yard touch plus the touchdown performance out of this week. That's nice. I, I like the contrast there. You get Julio Jones who, you know, look, we saw last week, he scored the touchdown. Damn it. Well, they're taking it away from us. Tuttle uh, yep. should, should have had a big, big week last week, uh, but certainly showed us that he's still got, he's not quote unquote washed. Sammy Watkins. People think he's washed too. Tuttle not so fast saying we got the Detroit Lions this week. We got a situation where we got the chalk quarterback who's not really getting paired all that often with one of his top wide receivers. Makes some sense to me. Now, I've got three wide receivers for you, Tuttle. How about that? First, see it. DJ Chark to go with my quarterback. This guy is being projected everywhere behind Marvin Jones, being projected behind LaVisca Chenault in some cases. However, big plays come for a guy like Chark more often than those other two guys. I probably don't need to explain why big plays are good for DFS. And if he happens to get a little bit of target volume to go with that in this situation, uh, you're going to have a 2% owned guy who's got 20 plus point upside, could get to the mark that we need to win a tournament pretty, I wouldn't say easily, but certainly more often than, than is going to be implied by this 2% ownership. So that's why I like him. Terry McLaurin is six point. Do you remember Terry McLaurin from last week? Tuttle? Terry, Terry. 27 fantasy points and nobody everyone forgot about him it was too long with 10 days ago everyone yep. forgot he's going to play in the bills guess what happens if the bills start to score some points Tuttle, we are going to get some passing from taylor heineke and the washington football team mclaren the number one option in that scenario not particularly price prohibitive give me terry mclaren in those stacks stacks especially and then finally i, do, I just want to drop a guy that nobody gives a shit about. It's Nelson Aguilar at 4.6. Uh, he is certainly not somebody that we should really just jump out of our chairs to go grab, but he's going to be 1% owned. And how many guys in on the slate can you say, okay, if he's not the number one option on the team, at least give me that he's the number one deep threat on the Patriots, right? Yeah. And we, we, we give me that the Saints are, are somewhat fairly adept at defense at, at stopping the run, which is what I think the – Patriots would prefer to do if they turn to the passing game in this particular spot at 1% owned. Uh, Aguilar is both cheap and high upside and could give you a major advantage if he haps, happens to get like a 25 point game, which I do think is on the table for him. It's not certainly very likely, but that's not how you win tournaments with the likely outcomes. This is the exact take I had last week, so I can't bash it because I played him at 1% owned and it did not work out, but I can't I can't bash it. Had the exact we got same seven time. targets week one, Tuttle. So, I mean, give me yeah. seven targets this week for 4,600, especially if a couple of them are down the field, and I'll be pretty happy with that decision. Okay, anybody else here at the wide receiver position before we go to the tight ends? No. Tight end position, as we noted, very spread out. I'm just going to lead off with one here real quick. If you don't play Terry McLaurin, uh, a guy 
uh, like Logan Thomas is going to be extremely low owned at 4.7. He's too closely priced to those other guys. If you ask me what the, if the workload potential is near those other guys, I would actually say yes, especially in the red zone. So are we excited about him in anything close to an optimal lineup? No, but if we're playing game stacks here, we certainly like him, and he's definitely going to be exceptionally contrarian. Any tight ends for us title? This is the position I really had a tough time um, finding anybody I liked all that well. Uh, well Logan give me who you're going to be overweight there. on at the top then. Higby was the guy overweight on at the top. Um, I will say Evan Ingram does actually interest me a little bit here um, at low projected ownership. We know what he's capable of. I'm not 100% sure he steps into a huge role. They have so many weapons they can go with, uh, but he could provide some leverage off of um, Saquon. It could be included in those Daniel Jones stacks. And then Gerald Everett was the other guy, uh, 3K high scoring game ran more routes last week wasn't productive with those routes uh, but he's cheap enough that i think he's worth some shots in tournaments folks that's going to do it for the ownership report here in week number three best of luck in all of your contests for dan gasper mr title 05 i'm chris Jamino. we'll be back next week for ownership report week number four go win something mm-hmm.